This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It's like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, hey, it's the Blue Bomber Podcast. I'm Greg, he's Doug. Let's look back at what happened in Calgary Saturday night. 41-yard try by Rene Paredes, and it's good. And now comes Medlock to try a 32-yard field goal. Chris Strebler's the holder from left hash. The ball on the tee, it's in the air, and it is good. And Mitchell in the gun. Five receivers out. And he wants a quick throw, fires to the end zone. Is that a touchdown catch? I believe it is. Yep. Reggie Begleton. And Bo throws it deep into the end zone. An easy two points. Medlock will attempt from the right hash at the 34. Strebler holding. It's down. It's in the air. And it is good. Milanovic leader and the big guy is going to... Oh, he fumbles. It's knocked out of his hands and picked up by Marcus Sales. And he's got a bomber touchdown. And they hand it off to Lucky Whitehead on the sweep. He's to the 15. Whitehead to the 10, the 5, and he's in for the touchdown. Three-man bomber rush again. To the end zone he goes. Calgary. Strebler under center. And he's going to drop back to pass. He's got a man open. Lawler at the 10. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. From the 33-yard line, almost in the center of the field. There's the ball down. The kick is up. And it is good. Trevor will set it down. The kick is in the air. It looks good from here. And it is. If they try to run it or pass it in, he'll give it to Milanovic leader. And he plows across the goal line for the Calgary touchdown. Ball on the tee. The kick is in the air. And it is good. Bombers coming with pressure. Mitchell throws. Got a man open. It's Begleton at the five. And he's in for the touchdown. Thanks for sharing, downloading, subscribing to the Blue Bomber Podcast. Greg Mackling, Doug Brown. Let's get right into it, buddy. That was, a, that was a brawl. That was just a street fight. It Is was... that a case of just two pretty good football teams just going at it toe it was to toe? So physical, right? It was. Uh, it was one of the best passing games I think in the CFL, courtesy of the Calgary Stampeders, and the the best running game in the CFL, courtesy of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And obviously, the passing game won out. But wow, there was a lot of popping. Pad popping going on in that game. Okay, well, I got to ask you right off the get-go here. Should Chris Strevler have been allowed to be in control of his own destiny? Should he have been pulled? Should he have been sat down on the bench and said, hey, fella, we know what's good for you, and this ain't it? Yeah, I mean, what what you're asking is, you know, is there a, a level of abuse that, you know, there's there's no abuse meter. Unfortunately, there's no gauge out there that, you know, how much you got, how much you get pummeled on that play. Ah, it's about an eight out of 10. You know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of guys get hit. That's the nature of the game of football, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, you know, hindsight is, is, is always spot on him in this case so you know Chris Strebler is a quarterback it's a physical game he's running the ball Uh, he's used to running the ball Um, so that's kind of the expectation obviously he got banged up a bunch I mean there was one play saw him holding his ankle there's another play saw him holding his ribs another play the helmet smashed his throwing hand into the ground it was just going on and on he's taking a knee you're like is this guy gonna be able to play but 
you know, the nature of the game in football, if everybody came out of the game every time, you know, you got hurt or something like that happened, it's just we're not used to our quarterbacks, seeing our quarterbacks take that kind of punishment, right? You're just not, you're just like, whoa, you know, that's your quarterback and quarterbacks are guys and you got five, six, sometimes seven players blocking for them because you don't want anyone touching them. And then this guy is just putting himself into harm's way. He carried the ball 15 times. Andrew Harris only had 11 carries in this game. So it's, uh, I think that was what the outcry. People are just not used to seeing your quarterback get brutalized like you saw in this game. But, you know, if you're a coach and Chris Strebler says, I can play, I'm good. Put me back in, coach. I put poured some magic water on it. I got re-spatted. I, I, I took a ton, all three. I'm good to go. He may be regretting his decision today, but uh, Chris Stratley, you got to go with the player, right? And and everybody gets banged up and plays injured or hurt to some degree. So it's the only thing that shocked people, I think, that was surprising is the fact that he's a quarterback. And uh, like you said, he dishes it out. But he took a lot more than he handed out in this game. What does he gain aside from how he feels about himself in terms of his teammates? How do they see Chris Trevler today? We can talk all we want in the media. You can talk all you want as a former football player. Mike O'Shea can say all the things he said about Chris Trevler and what he did and the fact that you're going to trust the player to do what he does but in terms of his teammates, how, how does Chris Strevler appear in the eyes of, of the men that he lines up with every single week? Well, he's certainly, you know, a guy not afraid to get his nose dirty. He's willing to do the work in the trenches. You know, for the most part, quarterbacks are always uh, portrayed as, you know, fancy pants, you know, don't touch me. I'm the finesse guy. I'm the skill player. I'm the most, you know, they're kind of divas, right? They can be for the most part. Different and, color uh, penny and jersey. Oh, yeah. that don't, don't touch me in don't practice. Touch. How yes. dare you? I'm, I'm fra- you get every inkling that they're fragile and they need to be safeguarded and protected. And then Chris Strebler just wants to play quarterback the way a middle linebacker would, right? So he's certainly uh, not, like I say, a, um, He's pretty rough around the edges. He's a physical guy. He plays the game very differently. Uh, I'm not sure. I've never had a quarterback like that on my team. I'm not sure how that affects his teammates. I don't know if they're going, oh my God, look what he's doing out there. I don't know if that inspires them or they're cringing. I'm not sure what they're doing uh, when he's going out there and, and incurring that kind of trauma and those all those uh, all that contact. Well, you say you didn't play with a guy like that because there's three quarterbacks of recent time that might come close, and I'm going to say might in terms of the way they approach the game, like we saw from Strevel Saturday night, and that would be Mike Riley tends to do similar things when when he is determined to do so. Matt Dunnigan, back of the day, and Buck Pierce. Well, I would say none of those guys had designed running attacks made for them. Uh, they're all tough, physical players who could take off that would you know not slide or they'd lower their shoulder or something like that. But these guys were not designed run. They didn't have designed running games uh, set out for them situationally like Chris Strebler, which is why he is broken the record for rushing quarterbacks and uh, it's why he gets 15 touches and the best running back in the CFL gets 11 in a game um, because he is part of the offensive game plan running that football. No other quarterback. 
outside of Tim Tebow, have you seen an offense uh, adjusted to suit a skill set like that? So is is that the next best comparison then? Oh my God, he is spot on the Tim Tebow of the CFL without question, just in terms of, I mean, I actually, I think he throws the ball. He's got better throwing mechanics than Tim Tebow, but he's certainly not Aaron Rodgers in, in that respect, but they share the fact that they're very tough, big, strong athletes who run the ball very well. Uh, the epitome of what a perfect teammate is. These guys are so selfless. You know, you could say Chris Trevler, we we need you to lose your right arm so we can get this first down. He'd be like, cool, let's do it, you know, kind of thing. That's that's the kind of selfless player he is. But yeah, his, uh, so his strengths are just like Tim Tebow. It's on the ground. What he can do, he still, still throw the ball, but you don't necessarily want him throwing the ball 30 times a game. Uh, there's going to be, and we've seen this consistently now, he's going to make one or two mistakes with the football, game in and game out, uh, that is going to cost you. And uh, uh, unfortunately, this game, that stayed true as well. Yeah, 16 of, uh, pardon me, 18 of 27 for 134 yards, about 67% passing percentage, which isn't hor- horrible. You take that every single game. If you could get it, it's that touchdown to interception ratio that's generally killing whatever momentum Chris Trevler gets going with his passing game. That's where it sort of stops is the fact that he's prone to throwing those interceptions. Yeah, and his completion percentage is so high because he does so many check downs, so many short passes. It was once graphed out that, I don't know, 75% of his passes were within two yards of the line of scrimmage or something like that. So uh, you better have a high uh, completion percentage if you're throwing so much short stuff, checking it down and getting, uh, getting rid of the ball to your outlet. You mentioned the fact, uh, I think you've said it three times now, that Chris Strevler had more carries than Andrew Harris. 15 for Strevler, 11 for Harris. Bang on there. Strevler ends up with 85 yards, a 5.7-yard average. Andrew Harris ends up with 55 yards, a 5-yard average, slightly under his season average of about 6.3 yards per carry. How do you justify creating a game plan or executing a game plan where Chris Trevler ends up with, you could say, more touches of the ball yeah, than Andrew Harris. I don't know if it's that makes absolutely. sense. You know, it's funny too, because we were talking the pregame show on Saturday with, with Bob Irving and, and Ed Tate and uh, Bob and I were talking. He's like, you know, you're worried about how sustainable Chris Trevler's game is because he runs the ball and puts himself in harm's way so much. But he's like, hey. He's like, ideally, you'd, you know, Andrew Car- Andrew Harris gets hundreds of carries a year and he's fine. Running backs are fine. To, why can't your quarterback be fine like that? I know it's, a, it's an excellent point he brought up. I've been thinking about it since then. And I think there's a couple things uh, to think about in, in that regard. And the fact that quarterbacks aren't trained running backs, though, first and foremost. Um, they scramble a lot and such, but they don't. I mean, they don't participate with running backs for the most part in practice. I'm not sure if Chris Trevler does on this team. He probably should. But uh, they're not trained uh, to carry the ball the same way that running backs are. Uh, running backs, you know, they know how to take a hit. Uh, they know about their pad level. Uh, they're in very different situations. A lot of time when quarterbacks run the ball, uh, it's not necessarily a designed running play. You know, their linemen are in pass blocking scenarios. Quarterbacks tend to run the football a lot higher. They're not over their pads as much. Uh, there's more of, uh, I can tell you this, defensively, we get an opportunity to hit a quarterback, we're even more. I mean, you 
for the most part, you hit everybody on the field as hard as you can as a defensive player. But you see a quarterback running around, you know you have a chance to impact the game with how you uh, can line him up. And then, you know, a running back, if he can't raise both of his arms over his head, and you know, you still carry the rock for the most part, right? Uh, quarterbacks getting pinballed and uh, like a, a, a smash-up derby out there. Uh, he's got some more... Uh, technical things he has to be able to perform, at least in terms of he needs his his upper extremities uh, on point and not covered in contusions and such as like you can get away with to some degree. It's a lot easier just to use your upper body to catch a football and run it than to have to throw it out there and have any touch on it. And uh, like we saw one of the hits he took, uh, Calgary Stampeder's helmet. He he uh, he used his throwing hand to cushion that guy's helmet from hitting the ground. It was very very kind of him, but you know, all of a sudden you got swelling in there and it changes your grip on the football. And so these are the the reasons why I think uh, you know it's uh, not necessarily sustainable having a quarterback enter into the fray to the degree that Chris Strebler does in the long term. So we haven't really talked about the defense, but this whole conversation, I think, uh, on Saturday night's game and looking to Friday, focuses more or less, begins and ends with the discussion around Chris Strebler. The Blue Bombers' chance for first place left with them on the, on the plane when they came home on Saturday night after the game. So first place is out of the question. They need a miracle to finish second, they would need to beat Calgary on Friday night and then have the Stampeders lose to a Mike Riley-less BC Lions on the final regular season game of the CFL schedule the following Saturday. So here's the question. Should Chris Strevler just stay out of the lineup, get ready for that Western semifinal in Calgary in three weeks' time? I don't think he could play on Friday if he wanted to, personally. From what I saw during the game... I was like, there's, you know, uh, the way, the number of times he went down, all the different looks we saw in terms of him holding his ribs, holding his ankle, going down on one knee, what happened to his hand. I don't think he's going to be available. I think they're, you know, whether he wants to play or not, I think is going to be besides the question. I think they're actually going to uh, have to start one of their pocket passers, which, you, you know, sometimes when uh, in life, when you refuse to pull the trigger on something and only when you are forced to mm-hmm. make a move, you end up doing it. Uh, this might be the, uh, you know, in the long run, the best thing that ever happened to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, not in the fact that Chris Trevler got hurt in the sense that they're actually going to be forced to give one of their other quarterbacks reps and, and game time with their first string offense in the regular season, which should help them position them, prepare them for their playoff game. Um, because in my mind, if, if Strever can walk out there, you know, Mike O'Shea is not giving anybody the reps other than Chris Strevler as long as he is able to play. But I think he's going to be too compromised. I don't think he's going to be able. I don't think he's cleared. So it might end up being the best thing for Strevler to get essentially this week, next week, and then the following week until the game. That would be three weeks off for him to get better. And then it also it will probably give uh, one of these quarterbacks – He'll get the entire reps for the last regular season game, a very meaningful game against a high-caliber opponent. That's fantastic opportunity. And then you get another week to review what you've done and then another week to prepare and, and, and play an opponent. So they certainly uh, they, they fell into this one, right? Uh, and uh, it's just uh, the only question that remains is, uh, and I can't even believe it would be a question, 
But with with this team, you know it's going to be a question as who's going to be the starter on Friday. Mike O'Shea refused five seasons ago to put Matt Nichols in when it was perfectly obvious that Drew Willie was not getting the job done. And it was only because of a an injury to Willie that Matt Nichols got his opportunity to take over this football club. Is, is that a loyalty to a fault on yeah. the part of, of Mike O'Shea? Yeah, Mike O'Shea is loyal. It's one of his greatest strengths. And it's also his loyalty is one of his greatest weaknesses, I would dare say. So it's uh, it can get him in trouble, but it can also, you know, it's a lot of the reason why players and coaches like, like working with him and or for him, I would imagine. So. Okay, so we've uh, essentially determined, and this is not by any means official, but I'm you, telling you, you can book it's it official in my mind. Okay, you can book it. The blue bombers are going on the road for the Western semifinal after leading the West division standings for most of this season. Where would you prefer to go to Saskatchewan or to Calgary? And I don't mean on vacation <laughs> because much, that, much that, answer, to Calgary that answer is perfectly obvious, I mean, but honestly, to play that, that first the, playoff game, uh, I mean, they're both going to be difficult games. They're both going to be hard places to go into and uh, and win in. Uh, I guess uh, the Bombers have won in Saskatchewan more frequently, more often than they have in Calgary. I just don't want... I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so over the Stampeders getting the first round by and just having one game to play to make it to the Grey Cup. And this time, they won't have to unpack or move from their locker room, right? You might as well just... If they get first place in the West, you might as well just give them the Grey Cup, you know, right now and... Uh, do you need to see it play out there? It, the enticement, the advantages, they're already good enough. They're already the Great Cup champions going forward, uh, playing on the road. Now they have an opportunity for a home Great Cup game. Uh, I want them to have to struggle and and play the semifinal, get banged up. I want them to have to go potentially or you know lose to Winnipeg or them have to go to Saskatchewan and play in a difficult environment there to get the opportunity. It's just been too easy for them. But obviously this is a factor of their how dominant and how successful they've been in the regular season. So they've certainly earned it, but I'd like to see them go a different route. And we already know the, the Bombers are going to have to go on the road regardless. Sure. So uh, you might as well see if you can get, uh, you know, if you can uh, overcome the, your most difficult obstacle, which is winning in Calgary first. Well, you get that out of the way. And then of course the Blue Bombers won a playoff game in Saskatchewan last year. So they'd have, I suspect despite of what happens on Labor Day traditionally, they would have all sorts of confidence going into Saskatchewan for a playoff game. And I would agree with you. I wrote down here Calgary as well. And by the way, here's how it plays out with regards to the Stampeders and the, and the Rough Riders. The Rough Riders, I think, have the er- easier path because the Stampeders do have to play the Blue Bombers on Friday. And the Bombers are going to want to send a message because they will, if they want to go to the Grey Cup, have to play Calgary. So they're going to want to win that game. It's going to be their last home game. And they're going to have a new quarterback. And, well, there you go. So they're going to want to, to win that game uh, for a, lo- a variety of reasons. And the fact that Saskatchewan gets Edmonton twice uh, to wrap things up and the Eskimos don't have anything to play for, but the Rough Riders do, I would have to say that the the Rough Riders are in the driver's seat Mm -hmm. to claim first First place place in the West. Now, Jackson Jeffcoat got flagged for a helmet-to-helmet hit. I guess it was in the fourth quarter. It, It overturned what was a sack 
on a play. It was second down. It would have meant uh, the Stampeders would have been punting from deep in their own zone. Instead, it extended a drive for the Stampeders. Like, really, all the bad things that could have come out of a penalty came out of that play. Should it have been a penalty in the first place? And should have Mike O'Shea challenged it as he did? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was interesting. It was very clear to us up in the booth that it was Hamilton Hamlet contact. So I was kind of surprised. I'm like, why is he why is he throwing the flag? Why is he challenging this? And I guess the rationale was that he felt Bo Levi ducked into it. But from what I know as a defensive lineman, it does not matter if he tries to run you over with his helmet. Um, if you're coming in and hitting a quarterback, you know he can. Uh, I've I've been yelling. Uh, to the to the masses for years. I'm like, you know, if they're going to get hit, they want. If they're going to get sacked, if they're going to get hit, it, it's actually good for a quarterback outside of for his health, but it's good for his team for him to duck into it. Obviously, they're bracing anyways, but if they can get any kind of helmet contact, they know they're going to get the 15-yard penalty and they know they're going to get the first down. You know they're going to move the sticks. So I'm not saying they intentionally do. It. Some Sometimes it's looked like in the past, like guys duck into the, the shot. And this was a real hard one for Jackson Jeff Coat because Bo Levi Mitchell was spinning out of, uh, I don't know, his... Uh, uh, they set the edge and they were keeping contain on him. So he had to spin out of it, try to reverse this field. And that's when Jeff Coat hit him. And it's a natural human tendency too to lower your shoulder and therefore your helmet gets lowered well, when you're, you're bracing, bracing for impact. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, uh, I, whether I think, uh, you know, Jeff Coat, I certainly don't feel like it was intentional, but I, I think we both felt up in the booth, you know, you're. Uh, you're just going fishing now. You're trying. And I mean, granted, granted, it was late in the game and, and you had to try and do something, but I just thought it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether he lowers his head. He, it doesn't matter whether he paints a bullseye on his helmet, uh, puts a red Olay flag in front of his helmet <laughs> and dares you. If you hit a quarterback in the helmet, whether he invites it or not, whether he initiates it or not, you are the one that's going to gonna get the flag. So I didn't really understand the challenge there, but... It happens. It was uh, it was a novel attempt, I suppose. I guess the uh, XFL had he hate me. You could change your name bar to you hit me. If you're a quarterback, it <laughs> does not matter what's going on. Yeah. You're you're going to get you're going to get that flag you're every lose, single time. You're going to lose that review every single time. Quarterbacks, uh, tiny little guys for the most part, except for Chris Traveler, big scary defensive lineman coming along, smashing them, and oh no, you know. He, he braced helmet contact, doesn't matter. Doesn't, anything, anything hits down, whether it's your helmet, whether it's your hand, whether it's your, you know, you can't contact them in the head. What happened to the de- defensive line of the Blue Bombers on Saturday night? Is the Calgary Stampeder O-line just that damn good? Well, they would have potentially had three sacks in that game, but two of them, one was a... Uh, um, one was roughing the passer, was obviously. was pass interference penalty. Uh, yeah, one was another penalty, and then Jake Thomas got his, which which stood up. So they actually sacked him three times. So on average, over 18 games, 54 sacks, that's pretty good. But those sacks were singular. They weren't reflective of consistent or constant pressure. So I think, 
you know, they pressured, uh, they actually pressured Bo Levi Mitchell very rarely. They did get, they would have got three sacks on him were it not for those penalties. They only ended up getting one, but the pressure was not consistent uh, throughout the evening. And that's why he was able to just put on a clinic in terms of uh, his passing game. So yeah, they've got a very good offensive line. Uh, they chipped well. Um, I remember very first play of the game. Uh, they they either waggled somebody in or the back step up and and chipped on Jackson Jeffcoat and absolutely hammered him. And uh, these are things that can rattle guys on your defensive line. And if you throw different looks at these guys, block them in different ways. Uh, believe I had tons of time in the, and he's he's the best in the business when he's got a clean pocket. And like I said, he was not pressured nearly enough um, for them to make their mark on this game. I'd like to say that. Without the efforts of the defense and the fumble, the, the forced fumble and the fumble recovery, the forced fumble and the fumble recovery and the interception, had, and the interception Winnipeg Blue Bombers maybe don't score, yeah. you know, but one offensive touchdown on Saturday night. Yeah, they were set up nicely, you know, they, so the defense scored one touchdown. They set up another one uh, for the Bombers there and... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, they still rushed for almost 200 yards on the ground though, sure. which is to me, that's, you know, any defense, I mean, that's embarrassing. If you give up 200 yards on the ground, that used to be the, you can't show your face around town the next week until you do something Winnipeg about Blue that, Bombers so. don't give up a hundred yards yeah. a game. So uh, let alone what happened on Saturday night. Okay. Last one for you then, as we uh, head into the game against Calgary on Friday night. Who do you think gets the start? <laughs> who do I think gets it or who do I think? No, who? Yeah. <laughs> let's pretend that Chris Trevler is unable to make the start. Do you put in Zach Caleros or do you put in Sean McGuire as I think I think 100% has to be Zach Caleros. I think it's reckless to put in Sean McGuire because you're just taking a chance. Uh, it's, it's, it's wishful thinking. Uh, you got one guy, you have two quarterbacks right now, in my mind, that are going to be viable for Friday. One's thrown two passes in the CFL. The other has thrown more than 2,000 and has led a team to the Grey Cup. Now, granted, he's not on the upswing of his career, but he's a veteran. He knows what it takes, um, and he has tons of experience. I, I think it's... Uh, I think rolling the dice with Maguire. Maguire may end up being the next Dane Evans, the next Nick Arbuckle. Who knows? He may end up being awesome. But I don't think you can afford to use this opportunity to roll the dice and see and hope you get lucky. It's not the time for wishful thinking right now. You have one regular season game left that one of these guys needs to get all the reps to get ready in case Chris Strebler can't go and or in case Chris Strebler is not on point in that playoff game. If he Who has it, a better chance of being their go-to backup plan and you'd have to bet the house on Caleros being that guy more likely than Sean McGuire? Yeah, and but I'm not 100% that that's... The decision that they're going to make. <laughs> to me, it seems so perfectly logical and obvious right. that, hey, you got to go with the veteran guy. This will be a second week now uh, of getting reps and, and practice. Give him the whole game. Then he gets a week off to fine tune that and review that film. And then he gets another week in terms of preparing for who his opponent's going to be. Uh, I think that's more than enough for Zach Claris to pick up this offense. And yeah, there's a, a small chance that McGuire could come in and beat Calgary and then beat them again in the in the semifinal. But I'm just saying, uh, 
Can you really roll the dice on that? Can you really play those percentages? Are those the odds you want to roll with? Do you want to take a chance on the unknown when you're this close to the playoffs and you got a veteran who's thrown over 2,000 passes? Are you really going to hang your hat on the guy that's thrown two? I don't care what his potential is. I don't care what you think he can do. You can't roll the dice like that. You've worked so hard to give yourself another playoff opportunity. At one time, people thought this was the best team in the CFL. Are you going to throw a rookie quarterback out there and and put all your fortune and fate on his shoulders? Is that if that happens, I will be beside myself. There's only one, Doug Brown. We'd like there to be two, but one's. One's Just enough. about enough. <laughs> <laughs> One's more than enough. All right, Doug. We'll see you on Friday night at IG Field. And we look forward to uh, recapping the game next time around here on the Blue Bomber Podcast. Thanks, my brother. All right, my friend. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com.